Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 120 of the F1 show. Wait, that's not right. (laughs) Welcome to episode 120 of the Grand Prix show. That's a better name anyway. For coverage of the Singapore night race, I'm Robin Warner. And I am Jim Lau, and we are back at full strength. Of course, uh, I understand a lot of you missed us from uh, last weekend. We did not do a show from Italy. The timing just didn't work out. With uh, I was I was off on holiday, but uh, we're back at it. So let's set the diff to magic and uh, just just you know talk a little bit about Monza and uh, some stuff in between, and get caught up with Singapore. What a great line that was, wasn't it? I mean, you know, there should everyone should have a magic setting on their diff. I think that's just fact of the matter. Didn't turn out to work so well, I did mean, it? I guess the question is why, you know, it's like, don't use magic yet. Like, why not just set it for magic all the time? Anyway. Right. Um, so the biggest story out of Monza, just to kind of go slightly chronological with this, was uh, Vettel. Slightly and, chronological. Well, we don't want to. Thorough, hold, not thoroughly chronological? No, I don't want to hold ourselves to that too closely because we may <laughs> talk about later things out of chronological order. Fair enough. Uh, was, okay, Vettel v. Alonso, right, um, which in 2011 was... Um, Alonso pushing Vettel out to the outside edge of the track in Monza at the same corner yep. in 2012. This you know, a week ago, two weeks ago, um, Vettel doing what some say is the same thing, what some say is not the same thing. Um, right. The point is awfully um, similar. They were yeah, remarkably similar, and 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 then the, the penalty fallout from that. So yes, um, they, so there was not a penalty uh, in 2011. Correct for Alonso. There Correct. was a penalty in 2012 for Vettel. Right. Some say that's the Ferrari. Is, is, you know what is, what's the FIA Ferrari International Assistance? Uh, you know that, <laughs> that, that was oh the FIA it's Ferrari that's how they're going to win blah blah blah. Some say it was fair, um, but uh, yeah it was you know it's rare that we have this close of a back to back comparison for the same guys in, in opposite roles. Oh yeah, corner. absolutely. I mean, but, which they've done to themselves, of course. I mean. You, it's certainly some of the details are debatable, but I will. I'm gonna. I will start by staking a claim, which is I think the penalty on Vettel for this race, this past year was, uh, this past race this year was completely justified. He pushed Alonso out too far in a very par- very fast part of the track. Alonso was alongside, and he wasn't given the room. I think that was a perfectly justified penalty. Full stop. Now, once you get into the 2011 comparison, you know. Alonso didn't get a penalty for doing something extremely similar last year. The one thing that I think no one can debate is that the move Alonso had on Vettel in 2011 was not as aggressive as the move Vettel had on Alonso in 2012. Right. And there has been much more of a focus in 2012 on um, running other people off the track. I mean, it's it's come up since the beginning of the year. Um, there's been, you know... Pass short! <laughs> Pass from Adam Auto. I'm sorry. I had a yeah. I had a thing. Uh, so there's been you know time after time there's been incidents uh, and and near incidents and so on. So there's been more of a focus on it. So that also has changed uh, the tone of things. But so you don't think it's uh, it's this you know Ferrari conspiracy with the FIA? John Todd, you know you know where he used to work, right? I rarely think it's a controversy with the thing and the thing because uh, it's all a bit silly in my mind and. I think Vettel's move was really aggressive. <laughs> so no, I don't, I don't think so. Uh, I will say, I will say that if Alonso was penalized in 2011, I probably wouldn't have been terribly upset about it. Do you know what I mean? I don't think I would have said, "Oh, that's completely unjustified," and I can't believe they made such a terrible penalty. You know what I mean? It, yeah. It definitely was aggressive. There's no doubt about it. But um, was it as aggressive as what Vettel did this year? Now, the one thing that is possible is that Alonso was a little bit better than Vettel in making a show out of it. Do you know what I mean? Like Almost a bit of a flop, if you will, exactly. of reacting to it. And I, wouldn't com- I wouldn't totally ruin that out, Alonso being the uh, shrewd driver, think-of-everything champion that he is. Yeah. But based on the video I've seen, I don't think that's the case, and I do think that Vettel was more aggressive. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I, as as Vettel always says in the Alonso accent, you have to leave the space. <laughs> and in this case, uh, I think I, I think I'm, I'm on board as much as I love uh, fighting with you about these things. That uh, it was a reasonable penalty, and I don't think that it's uh, a massive conspiracy. But um, but who knows? Um, speaking of penalties, I think probably my favorite penalty um, that I can remember has come down uh, in the run up to the Singapore Grand Prix. Okay. Are and we still are still slightly chronological? We here? can be. Do you want to? Do you want to? Uh, finish up Monza first. 
I, I, Monza was an epic race. I feel bad that you couldn't watch it with me because, um, first of all, I'm awesome. And second of all, it, it was a great race and would have been fun to talk about it more. But now that it's kind of been in the past, and there is, you know, the Singapore race itself wasn't terribly amazing, but the implications of each race are starting to get more and more specific of what's possible. So I'm a little anxious to get started. So with that long-witted response in mind, yes, please go forward. Okay, Charles Peake has been handed community service as a penalty. <laughs> I know, that is kind of awesome. Which, so we've been talking about penalties. Obviously, there are the mid-race, you know, you get a drive-through. There's sometimes you get a post-race drive-through, which is kind of annoying because it messes with the results after the drivers have a chance to deal with it. 20-second penalty, effectively. Yeah, um, you have uh, one-race suspensions, as we saw Grosjean, you know, not racing in uh, at Monza because of the, uh, the whole incident at Spa. Which and- I still think is aggressive. But he's well. He has said he's come back from that a better driver. So maybe everyone should ban their guy for a race and then right. come back. They'll be better drivers. That's, I mean, that's how the can strategy. you, you know, set him to magic or whatever? Um, and then we've seen cash fines, which I think in this, I mean, that has a very minimal actual impact on the bottom line. But if it doesn't really slow down the driver in terms of you know how he's able to perform for his team or whatever, then it's not that great of a penalty. Right. But this one. Charles Peake, uh, he actually, it was sort of, a, in a way, a pretty egregious error. He passed, like, three guys under red flag conditions and practice. So it right. is practice. This isn't, like, to gain some advantage in it, but the whole and point— And he was just going back to the pits. Right. But the point is, like, if, the, if it's a red flag, you know, he's passed, like, three or four red flag stands, and then he's still kind of going around these guys. Like, you know, as a driver, you shouldn't assume, like, oh, it's probably fine. It's like, you know, something has gone terribly wrong if it's a red flag in a session. So— you got to be super, super careful, and there's of course no nothing to be gained from passing these guys anyway. You're not going to like continue getting useful data. So sort of on that basis, there was no good reason for him to to need to go at anywhere near reasonable speeds and uh, and pass people. Um, he was he was given a a, a day of community service, uh, which is so that's for the FIA's like road safety efforts and stuff. So probably uh, that may end up being you know whether he may be in a commercial for them or it may be some kind of you know speaking in front of some group or whatever. Right, right, right. But that you know that matters because that does take him uh, that is you know some amount of travel and, and busyness and whatever that takes him away from the other duties he's able to do as as a, you know a member of uh, of his team. Um, but also it's, you know, it benefits the FIA and that they get, you know, their, they, you know, they have access to this guy for this road safety campaign or whatever. But, uh, did, that seems like the right balance of, it's not going to totally ruin their weekend. And especially for a backmarker team, giving them a five spot grid penalty doesn't really mean anything anyway. Right. Um, so it sort of, it, it gets the point across without actually taking the guy out for a race, uh, doesn't, you know, but it, it affects the team. In a in a way that's not just like oh no we're ten thousand dollars poorer or you know this guy's ten thousand dollars poorer so it's a little bit inconsistent in that I've never heard of that happening before right um, but in in the way of like that's not a bad way to go for something that happens in practice it is a it's a problem but we don't want to you know screw up an entire race weekend or ban you or something like that um, so that that seemed like a clever solution to me yeah I, I I heard about that and I think it's interesting I it, you know. Uh... A little bit on the silly side, but so was what Peak did. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's an interesting way to go. And I do like the idea of having something good come out of out of something like this as opposed to just, you know, something that's arbitrary ultimately. So uh, in that sense, I think, I think it's clever. Although it does, like you said, you haven't heard of this before, and it does seem like the FIA – still has this very odd sense of consistency or, you know, just total lack of it. I don't know I, the basis of everything. It's like, well, where where did that come yeah, from? Yeah, it'd be interesting to be in that meeting when they're saying, okay, Charles Peake did this. What are we going to do? You know, they look at the data, they look at everything, and then some guy out of left field is like, oh, community service. You know, like, how did that? And, and the fact of the matter is, I, I agree with you completely. Red flag means something bad has happened on the track. You're supposed to come to a stop or drive immediately to the pits. Depending on the race series, that's pretty much what that flag means. Right. I'm sure that Peak's race engineer knew exactly what was going on, said this happened in this corner, come to the pits, whatever. And he knew he knew the situation. So it probably, I mean, in realistic terms, wasn't a safety concern that he passed a couple of people. It was just silly. You know what I mean? Yeah, but it's this is one of those where if, if they said, oh, that's fine, you, you must have known what the deal was, then that just as kind of a precedent is a dangerous precedent Absolutely. to say, to say oh, Agreed. well, but, but I knew what I was doing. And, and, you know, so they're both, you know, they're not supposed to, you know, in this case, it wasn't an immediate stop, like something's gone that terribly right. wrong. But it was, 
let's go away slow, get back to the pits, and then we'll go on with our day. And, you know, to pass someone in that situation is just kind of random. Um, also, he did get a 20-second penalty for the race as well as the community service, which, again, doesn't add a whole lot or change a whole lot to their result. But, uh, you know, it just kind of is what it is. But, yeah, it would be, be kind of interesting to see be in that stewards meeting when they're coming up with these things and figuring out, like, how, how serious do we take this and how many other comparable incidents can we look back on to see how we reacted to those and so on. Because it's just one of those things that these penalties definitely are affecting the, uh, the whole outcome of everything here. And uh, it's kind of interesting to see how that unfolds. Agreed. So, Singapore. Yes. Yes. Where should we start? Um, well, okay. Not the greatest race, I have to say. This one was kind of a... Uh... <sighs> exactly. Yeah. You know uh, what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I was, I was pretty excited after qualifying... Um, you know, Hamilton putting his mark on this Vettel, you know, Vettel looked like he was the guy all, all weekend with fastest time in practice and all that. But then for a still kind of unexplained reason, he just sort of said, yeah, I don't know. We just didn't have it in qualifying. His qualifying performance was not great. I mean, not even, not even compared to his practice times. Yeah. And, and the fact that it wasn't just that he just barely missed out to Hamilton, who had just a really, really good pole lap, but that Maldonado was also in there, that Maldonado also outperformed Vettel. Fantastic Says lap. it's not just like, oh, I just happened to you know, miss out, or that McLaren just has this little advantage, but it's like, yeah, also Pastor Maldonado put his Williams up there and, and beat you to the pole, or beat you to second place. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of an exciting qualifying session. That was fun. I actually watched it live. It was up in the morning, whatever. And so really? Cool. Wow. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, it was 9 a.m. It wasn't crazy. You know, it's just, it's, it's weird. When you, you know, it's 9 a.m. and you wake up and then it's nighttime at the place that you're watching live. Right. It's a little bit, <laughs> little bit jarring, but whatever. Um, but then, yeah, Hamilton, uh, I mean, basically the first action of the race, really. I mean, there was a, some argy-bargy in the very beginning, right? We had the, you know, the people. Uh, yep, yep. Uh, the did they cut Turn corners, one lap, one. Yep. You know, and I think everyone was acting evasively. I don't think there was any good reason to penalize anybody for, for all the just kind of getting around each other in the first couple of corners. And no penalties were awarded. Right. So we, we agree with the guys on that. Um, and then Hamilton's retirement was the first sort of, like, big excitement um, and it was, yeah, he was just going for gears and just had nothing. The transmission just fell apart for him. Um, and so the, the point that you, so it's, you know, devastating for him trying to get, you know, capitalize on a really dominant weekend. It, you know, really could have been, it was, you know, no reason to think he wouldn't have gone on to win the race uh, unless they made some really bad strategy call or who knows what. But um, so championship wise, though, uh, it's, it's of course tough to go from a potential 25 points and, and everybody behind you to zero uh, and and to finish dead last because he was the first retirement. Um, but the point that you brought up is if you look at the graph of the McLaren finishing positions over the last couple of races, it's insane. It's this ridiculous seesaw of of one of the guys will do well, one of the guys will do poorly, and in this back forth. But when they do poorly, it's not like oh he only came sixth. It's it's these these retirements and these awful results. So it's just you know the McLaren issue has been this this this. You know, one or the other guy just seems to seems to be out, and it's you know been really bad for them championship wise. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'll, I'll, I want to read it off to you just because it is so nutty looking. Okay, round ten, Lewis Hamilton finished twenty fourth. Round eleven, Lewis Hamilton won. Round twelve, Lewis Hamilton finished twenty third. Round twelve, Lewis Hamilton finished twenty fourth. Round thirteen, Lewis Hamilton won. And then this round, Lewis Hamilton finished twenty fourth. Now. Completely inverse of that, um, on, in round 12, when Lewis Hamilton was 23rd, uh, which was Spa, Jensen Button won. Mm-hmm. Round 13, when Lewis Hamilton won, Jensen Button was 23rd because he, he, had, he retirement, had his yeah. retirement. And then uh, this time round, Jensen Button finished second. So uh, both drivers are still strong, and you can see that they're still moving, they're still moving forward in the championship, staying in the top five. McLaren is still... Very close in the constructors' championship, but the both of them doing well, both of them having a strong race, really hasn't happened since the beginning of the season. Yeah, and that's and, the, and with Red Bull, who is winning the constructors' championship right now, you know, one guy will do better than the other, and certainly it's been Vettel lately. But but Weber's been there; he's been getting some points, except today when he had one point, which was penalized away from him for passing Kobayashi outside the track. Um, but otherwise, you know that. Red Bull has been just unbeatable in the Constructors' Championship because they're one of the few teams that doesn't have either this sort of alternating you know, reliability. You know, one guy wins, one guy does poorly, one or guy failures. Or Felipe Massa. Or Felipe Massa as your second <laughs> driver, who uh, is just kind of, I guess, we'll give him points for consistency, but 
Um, <laughs> even that, yeah, doesn't. Unfortunately, the FIA doesn't doesn't bring the doesn't bring the uh, yeah doesn't bring the points necessary to do that. So, you know, championship wise, then it's 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 tough, right? Because I think it's clear. I think we can agree that the McLaren is the fastest car right now. I would agree with that and completely. That's from you know the fact that from from a, a course like Monza, which of course there are no courses like Monza, so from Monza to street circuits and spa in between and whatever, um, you know it's it's fast and it's versatile. So it's not quite such a thing that we can say, oh, it's only fast on these kind of conditions. It's like that car is working. Their pit stops have been some of the best out there. Yep. Um, that that team has been working great when they work, but when they don't, they have these. Oh, your gearbox is done. Sorry, you're, you're right. done. I mean, we can't. So, so the you know they how, could have easily. I mean, if you just look at you know round ten through round fourteen, if they had some one a one two in there and some solid finishes when the other guy was winning, they would be ahead in the constructors. Both their drivers would be right in the mix for the. I mean, it's just the implications are big, right? And I mean, the one to say, you know, Hamilton at Spa is, I guess, a bit of a question mark. Was that his fault? Was that was that not? I mean, certainly I don't think it was his fault because Grosjean came over on him. But could Hamilton have reacted differently and not been crashed out of the race is, you know, the one that's that's not like, you know, you can't put that in McLaren team's fault. Sure. Agreed. It's uh, not McLaren's team's fault. Yes. Yes. You know, as far as reliability, that was that is what it is and kind of a weird situation anyway. But I think it'd be it's also very I mean, I know you're not really arguing with this, but it. Really isn't Hamilton's fault either. That that was the vast majority of that was just really unfortunate circumstances. Yeah, and and but I think there is there is that disparity between is it his fault or could he could he have changed the outcome? Is it, it and, was there any way he could have avoided it? Right. Yeah. Um. So, but that leaves so so Alonso still in the lead of the championship, of course, um, but not having won a race in quite a while, and with McLaren looking really good, and now Red Bull. Um, you know, I mean, like we said, Vettel fastest in all the practice sessions and just for whatever reason didn't put it together in qualifying, but there's no reason to discount Vettel. He's now second in the championship. Uh, and then actually Raikkonen is third, of course, without any win, like we've talked about and with, with some varying mixed results, but, but he's less than two race wins away yeah. from the championship lead. Yeah. And we've still got six more races. I mean, there's, it's not, we're, it sort of feels like it's winding down because we're done with all the European season. We're now on this last bit of couple of flyaways. Right. But like there's actually a lot of flyaways yeah. in there. There's Japan, there's India, there's, is it Korea? Japan, is... Korea, India, Abu Dhabi, United States, and yes. Brazil. So, so uh, yeah, a lot, there's, there's, there's still plenty to play for, but so that's, that's a, a sort of a good question, right? Is, is Ken Alonso sort of keep doing what he's been doing, scoring points, maintaining the lead. And, and if anything, the the single biggest thing that he's benefited from is that different guys are are coming are winning when he's not right. Um, but and, it it is now starting to catch up with him, right? Because different guys are winning when he's not, but he's not every time. You right. know what I mean? So all of them are starting to get a little bit closer. Right. So there's that. Then there's of course there's there's will. Uh, you know, and Jensen is still pretty far back. Uh, in, yeah, in he's the still seventy some points back. Um, you know, and even Lewis. I mean, it's 142 points to to Alonso's 194. I mean, that's there. That's a pretty safe lead there. So I mean, it's it's really, I guess, looking like it's coming down to uh, Vettel or Alonso. I mean, Vettel is the guy that to 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 you know push him there. And then Kimi is still kind of an unknown. I mean, that with that, I, I it's it, it sort of would be very surprised if he were to be able to come back and automatically start winning races or start just outperforming Alonso. Um, with with Vettel just falling away, I mean it's well, I, I mean Kimi's been challenging for wins in a couple of spots, and he's been knocking at the door in a couple of spots, and that's happened when Alonso's been struggling for a top five. So if you know if Alonso has another spa kind of result, you know, I, I could see Kimi right in there all of a sudden. Yeah, and again the McLarens. It, they, they are still, like you said, there's a pretty comfortable lead there. But at the same time, they have the fastest car. And if Jensen and Lewis can get one or two one-twos in there, if they can get a couple top finishes like that, they could gobble up a lot of points fast. You know, and the reason why I say one-two is not, you know, if Lewis gets both ones in the one-twos and they get two one-twos, that means they've gobbled up the two most valuable points-paying positions as right. well. And Alonso can't make up as much ground. It's entirely possible with their car. Yeah. But it just hasn't... It hasn't, hasn't happened yet. Yeah, I mean, I, absolutely. It's right. just... 
And, you know, in, in Japan, Suzuka really is kind of, you know, the spa of the East. So, you know, Ooh, there, there is... Uh, I do love Suzuka. Which it's I was going to say is a joke, course. but it actually kind of makes sense. It's you know, one of these classic circuits, a nice high-speed corner. It's really just a, one, of the, one of the classic races that we love to watch. 130R. And, uh, I love that corner. I have to mention yeah. it every time. Yeah. Because you go fast in it. Yeah. That, that's, that's one of the good things about it. It's one of the good things. Um, but, I mean, overall, yeah, this... The Singapore race, I mean, it's had its moments, um, but, I, you know, partway through the race before anything really had happened, I was like, you know, this race needs a little more Nelson Piquet Jr., you know, just, <laughs> and, then, right. and, then, and then, you know, Schumacher understood that and delivered for us, but um, it Nice was, man that he is. But overall, yeah, I mean, this went to the full two-hour time limit, um, even though there was not a, no, no wet session, no, nothing, no, no weather factor, it was just... Two it's, safety cars. It's a long, bloody race. It's 60 laps. Well, it was 59. It was supposed to be 61. Um, but why don't they just make it 55? Yeah, That's what I don't get. Or like 50 or something. I mean, when you look at some of the other tracks, I mean, so Italy was an hour and 19 minutes. Um, Belgium, an hour 29. Yeah, I, I mean, the answer is... Because of the distance, all the races are right around 300k. And yeah, that's and the it's answer. just such a much slower course. But than Monaco so many isn't. Monaco's like 260k distance, total distance, or yeah. something like they lob 40. Just make that the same for Singapore. And, and that was an hour 46. And Monaco never felt like it dragged on. I mean, partly it's Monaco, but yeah. So um, Singapore, the, the track, they did renew their deal for five years. They're going to be there through 2017. But uh, apparently, race organizers haven't ruled out reprofiling, changing you know exactly the route in the streets of Singapore, which may be helpful toward uh towards doing that because there's so many corners a lot of them look the same yeah and i mean my i guess favorite part if there is one of the of the track is is the so-called singapore sling yeah but this it's it's like one of the only medium speed corners i wouldn't really call it a high speed corner but onto the front straight these last yep. couple of corners right is is one of the best parts of it and it's sort of if you could reprofile it in some way that there's a couple of few less 90 degree corners and okay there's these little left right left chicanes that people are bouncing over you know, there's not nearly so much excitement there. It just makes it tough to pass. But, um, well, yeah, I mean, Singapore, it was much more of a Valencia kind of race. And Valencia was pretty fantastic this past year, but mostly got lucky because of tires and everything else that was going on. You know, in Singapore, what Singapore had that Valencia didn't was being under the lights and everything else in the cool backdrop. But, you know, the race really was, you know, pretty boring. Yeah. So speaking of boring... Uh, Felipe Massa. Not, I mean, here's the thing. Decent race. He has some not boring moments today. I was going to say, you know, speaking of tough to pass, you know, Massa, you find, talk about finding a way through. Yeah. Um, you know, and so in my opinion, I think we got to give him credit for doing what he did. So he had, um, problems at the very start. Uh, it was a puncture, wasn't it? Um, yes. at the very beginning, it had to pit like lap one. So automatically right. that, that puts him back to dead last. And we're thinking, oh, well that sucks. You know, that's, he's just way back and just you know, way back in the in the field, but works his way up. I mean, the dude's running in the top 10 um, just over the course of the race and the way the strategy unfolded and whatever, and, and driving well. I mean, it, it must be said. Um, driving well-ish. Driving well, but not amazing. Still not, in my opinion, driving on the same level as his teammate, for example. No, so not Alonzo well, but no one is, or whatever. Uh, a couple of guys are. But, um, I mean, you know, his, his incident with... Uh, with, it was Senna, right? It was Bruno Senna. He was trying to get around. Yeah. Um, where? True. Okay. That was that was probably the most exciting move of the race. Right. I will give you that. So there was a moment where Massa's car was on one side. On the left side was the wall, and he was very, very close to the wall. And on the right side was Bruno Senna's car with the wheels interlocked between the wheels of, of his own. And to be able to hold on to that and then Senna, you know, Senna backs off and then to kind of lose it into the corner, but to then, you know, gain it back, hold on to it and keep Make that pass Keep stick. Keep the pass stuck. Yeah, yeah uh, absolutely. You know, that was a moment of brilliance. And so some people are saying, oh, yeah, he, you know, he doesn't have a contract. Get him his contract and whatever. And I'm sort of, oh, wait a second. Yeah, you I, know, I, I, that doesn't like, convince me at all. Yes, that was a moment of, of really good driving. But that's not, you know, that, it's, it's not what Ferrari needs. I mean, it's so much more of a, of a strong number two driver. And it's the right dynamic in the team. And it's the right points results over, over time to help win the Constructors' Championship, which, of course, matters to Ferrari a whole lot. Well, strong number two. It's funny you mentioned that. There is a funny little rumor going around that... Sebastian Vettel has signed a pre-contract with Ferrari that would put him in a um, Ferrari red car in 2014. Yeah, which, you know, 
when does Alonzo's contract end? Do we know? Oh God, I mean, you know, twenty thirty or something. I mean, okay. he's got a nice long term contract. So we think he'll be there forever. So yeah, I mean, Alonzo has said multiple times he wants to end his career at Ferrari, and I think he's probably going to hold hold to that. Yeah, although when that is, I mean, I guess, the, and the, the, also what they have as a contract, especially with a team like Ferrari and the way the money gets thrown around there, may or may not mean anything. He may, you know, Alonso may have a, a contract there forever, but then he may have this in next year and go, oh, you know what, I had a good run, I'm done, I'm all set. Who knows? And then and then Vettel's their number one guy. So that is still, a, I would say, sort of an early stage rumor and that, you know, there's, there's, there's some rumors that you start hearing that, uh, that you know, really you hear from a number of different places and really start to seem to have some uh, some merit behind them or whatever, but that is still... Um, I don't know, not something I'm going to focus too much effort on, on oh, the what well, if there. Unlike it's... you, I'm going to focus lots of my efforts on this. Okay. Because, you know, that's where my efforts need to go. Right Focusing on. So are you, are you all, is it a done deal for you then that Hamilton will be driving Mercedes next year then as well? Here's the thing. I, it, it's, I, I have a hard time believing that, obviously, Vettel would not be a number two, right? Right. So they would have two number ones. I have a hard time believing that Alonzo and Vettel would really get along very well. Right. So that what that's is what makes me a little bit skeptical about the whole thing. Um, at the same time, you know, Ferrari has definitely done these things in the past, and so has McLaren. You know, I remember when uh, uh, Juan Montoya, you know, announced that he was going to go to McLaren over a year before he was going to go. Yeah. And he still had a season with Williams left. And it was just awkward, right? And so I imagine that Vettel could have, you know, Ferrari could have come to Vettel and be like, look, here's $40 billion. <laughs> here's 18 different Ferraris. Here's, you know, here's all these things. You'd be a Ferrari driver. You'll be the next Michael Schumacher, and we're going to build this powerhouse on you. Oh, by the way, Alonzo's still here. Don't worry about that. He's going to win a couple more championships, but then you'll have ton of t- tons of time or whatever. And... um Vettel saying, yeah, sure, that sounds amazing. I don't know. I, Ferrari is Ferrari, right? I mean, that is they are still the team. And maybe Ferrari wanted to throw something at him early and lock him up. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't discount that it could happen. Uh, I think, you know, that my point about, you know, maybe there'd be one year of overlap with Alonso and Vettel, but they wouldn't keep the Alonso-Vettel partnership probably that long. I don't know, though. I mean, here's the thing. I mean, I agree with you. Like, that's I agree that it doesn't make sense, but at the same time, you know, Alonso is younger than Jensen Button. Yeah. I mean, he's not, he's, I mean, he, he was the guy before Vettel set all these records, uh, broke all the records. You know, Alonso was the one setting youngest race winner, youngest world champion, youngest right. double world champion, all right. these youngest pole winner, like all these, all these records were Alonso. He's, he's not that old. I realize, but at the same time, um, I think there is, you know, there, uh, just a kind of a, I don't know, a, a change in the mindset or whatever. And it just, uh, I mean, he's, he's, he's in it right now, but I think after, uh, uh, you know, after after just narrowly losing out and, and so on, I mean, having a, a couple of different uh, couple of different situations, I just I don't know if if Alonso strikes me as the type to just stay on, you know, being a race driver forever, um, or if he's sort of having having done what he's done and and you know he, he had his sort of reign of a couple of years at, at Renault of, of total double world champion dominance and all that, and to sort of then prove himself at another team and then he had this back to Renault and all around this whole deal, but. Um, to sort of be a Ferrari driver, especially if he wins a world championship this year, if he ends up, you know, winning it as a Ferrari driver, to be like, that was sweet. You know, I had my deal. Like Kimi Raikkonen, you know, I wasn't that old when he retired, but he said, hey, that's it. I'm doing my thing. And, of course, now he's back. So who knows? Yeah. But I mean, the Kimi thing was obviously a little weird. But, uh, yeah. So based on the conversation, though, I think the the more immediate point is that I don't think either of us think Felipe really has a chance at keeping his ride next year. The one thing, though, that is going in Felipe's direction is if this thing with Vettel is true, they've got the 2014 driver lineup, do they want to bring on a guy for just one year? Yeah. Because there's no way they'll get rid of Fernando until Fernando wants to go, right? I mean, he has established himself. Yeah. Uh, The fans love him. The team gets along with him really well. He really seems to be enjoying himself. I still think he'd want to stick around for a while. It's possible that he'd, he'd bow out on the early side. I just... I don't know. I think he'd give it at least a couple more years. So if that's the case, then well, if they got Vettel, and that's I ultimately I'm I've been you know joking around a little bit, but truthfully I agree with you. That's a big if, right? That, right. Um, if they have Vettel, who would they who would they want to pluck for just one year, and who would want just a one year contract with Ferrari? 
if they could have potentially a longer-term relationship with another decent team, like a Renault or a Mercedes or whomever. Right. I mean, I can imagine someone from right now a mid-level team. I mean, would would Jerome D'Ambrosio say no to a one-year deal with Ferrari? I mean, yeah, maybe you can do something else. Of course not. You know, but, you know, somebody uh, or even even one of the STR drivers now, you know, or something like, you know, because so so Checo Perez is the other one that – the, you know, the Ferrari management has said, you know, he's, you know, maybe in the future, who knows, he is part of the Ferrari driver program, driver development, blah, blah, blah. But um, he's not ready now and he's not the guy. And that may be one, you know, where he sort of that would be a difference for him between he's still so young that, you know, getting a one year deal now versus maybe a longer deal later. Maybe he's backup driver to, to Vettel in the future. Or who knows what, you know, that that's that's one where you think about it a little bit. But it sounds like, um, you know, Ferrari has basically said he's you know they're not going to hire Sergio Perez for next year um but of course that's what they would say right I mean right. who knows of course um but yeah but someone with a little bit more to prove uh or without a better deal already but you know with Vettel um or, or even I guess Mark Webber you know now he's he's obviously got his deal for next year now sorted out but as another sort of that kind of guy who just said you know what wouldn't it be cool to you know draft for Ferrari for a season maybe you do something magic maybe not but at least, uh, you know, having had that experience, uh, and then, and then from there move on, who knows what, um, but, uh, you know, I, I guess it's, you know, with a rumor like this, you know, we don't know, I mean, we don't know anything for sure. Cause it's a rumor, but you know, maybe, maybe it's 2015 and maybe that is the plan is, is so it's way in advance and we're working on this or, or who knows what the, what the deal is, but is, is Vettel going to ultimately be better off? Um, you know, it, what are the odds, I guess, of Ferrari, coming up with a better overall package than Red Bull, Adrian Newey, uh, and, you know, that that team. Um, is it a smart move that way, um, you know, to, to do that? Um, is, is you know, because even Red Bull at the beginning of the year, we were thinking, oh, maybe, you know, they don't have all the magic diffusers and all that now. Maybe they're not going to be so good. But here we are with, you know, uh, the Ferrari is in the lead. I'll give them, you know, that for sure. But Red Bull winning the Constructors' Championship quite well and with sort of an overall, you know, you couldn't say anything really, you know, bad about the Red Bull car. They're still the way clearly they one of the top teams, no right. doubt about it. Absolutely. So, you know, would that be a, a good move? I mean, does it just come down to money, or does it come down to the future? I mean, I don't think Red Bull is going to stop Vettel from, I'll, I'll tell you from this. giving him a good future. I'll tell you this: when for when uh, Ma, uh, Alonso won the Spanish Grand Prix, one of the things he got, one of the things he got as a thank you from his team was a brand new Ferrari. You know, he got a Ferrari um, FF, mm-hmm. you know. Which is like the awkwardest Ferrari, to be fair, but it's still. The, it's the most awkward Ferrari, agreed, but it's still a $300,000 V12 amazing machine, right? I right. mean, it's still a Ferrari, and it's, you know. Vettel could afford a Ferrari. If he wants an FF, he can buy I one. I know, but they're... There's, I mean, come on, Jensen there is Button something sold his there. Veyron a while ago, it's like he's—they're all making enough money. They can buy whatever cars, and three hundred, three hundred grand is nothing compared to Veyron money. I mean, you know, there's. I'm just saying, not many teams could give you a Ferrari. In fact, I can think of one, and that's Ferrari. And I, I, I think there is still a mystique there that you really can't can't touch that is uniquely amazing to be a ferrari driver don't which, you think there's something no, there, there there is which for definitely for someone who's you know not already sebastian vettel at red bull that 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 can mean a lot more but if you already are double world champion comes sort of coming almost out of nowhere to become double world champion and build this team around you and blah 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 that the mystique of being a ferrari driver is is a plus but then it's like such a known quantity with the whole team and everything that they've got now is such a good package overall, and he is number one driver, and blah blah blah. Like, is that that's also a hard package to beat? I think so. Yeah, for Checo Perez, yeah, being a Ferrari driver and being part of that, oh, that'd be brilliant. You know, no no qualms about that. But for for Vettel in the situation that he's in, just like uh, you know all these rumors with uh, uh, you know Hamilton going to Mercedes. I mean that, especially this year with the Mercedes or even the last yeah, couple of years. I, have a hard I mean, time the Mercedes that thing. Maybe they've got some magic that they think is going to work really well in the future. You know, if they've got some some deal lined up for these twin turbo engines that they think is going to be amazing, you know, whatever. Um, but uh, you know, that's one that seems a lot more just like contract negotiations that are happening in public rather than um, he's actually going to move to Mercedes. Um, because when you look at you know where would Hamilton go if he can't get a seat at Red Bull or Ferrari, then there's that's those are the top teams. Are you know he's already at McLaren or it's going to be Red Bull or Ferrari. Anything else would almost certainly be a step down. Um, certainly not a guaranteed step up. So that is a lot less likely. But for but to step from one top team to another uh, just seems like a lot more of a risky proposition when 
you know, the, the Red Bull is really no slouch. Agreed, although I still think Ferrari gets that extra nod. However, the one thing that I think is crystal clear is that I, I, we don't see where Massa falls into this. I mean, he just his performance, even when he's improved, is still only decent. I mean, you can't... You can't I, I don't know. I just don't see him doing any doing any better than he's done. He's been given a chance. Uh, this year, they, I think they've off, been awfully patient with him, and I think his results have only been so-so, despite his pass on Senna. Right. Well, I mean, so I think, yeah, credit where it's due that he did a really good race today, but there's a lot of other drivers that have randomly really good races and can, can sometimes just get the magic out of a car. But what really, really matters, especially for a team like Ferrari, being everything you just mentioned it is, is you know being able to be, to put in that little plaque that they put in all their fancy road cars that says this is the years we were world champions you know to get that constructors championship have two drivers strong enough to earn a lot of points right. have his number two that really can help support them, the lead driver right uh, which of course could be could have been the case if Massa were up there taking points away from Vettel and, and Hamilton and these other guys absolutely oh of Reichen, course of course that that Alonso could be in a much better situation and and, and on from there so. It, it's not not to take away from Massa's performance today, but it's Massa's performance overall over the year, over the two years, right. that uh, that really, in our mind, I think seems uh, seems like why he's not not necessarily invited back. And I guess the only question is if they have a new deal wrapped up for 2013, or for, sorry for 2014, is it worth? Is 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 are they are they going to be able to get better results with a new guy for 2013? Is it getting the new guy up to speed? And I would frankly say probably yeah. I mean that's my point of view. I, I think I think Massa. I think two things happened to him. He had the spring incident, which definitely knocked him out. But there definitely seemed to be times where he came back again. Knocked him out. I see what you did there. Well, okay. But to me, the decisive moment was when he was leading. I think it was German Grand Prix or Hungarian. Was it the Hungarian Grand Prix in 2010? The year he came back, and uh, he was told to get out of the way. And yeah. I think that just morally devastated him. That. He he was like, why I'm Rubens Barrichello. Why try? <laughs> I'm Rubens Barrichello now. You know, what I, mean? I mean, in my mind, that's what happened. Because when he was with Raikkonen in 08, 09, 07, 08, 09, sorry, you know, you know, in 07, Raikkonen ended up winning the championship. In 08, Raikkonen backed off and let Felipe Massa go for it. Mm-hmm. You know, they were equals. And, uh, and then 2010 comes around, and... Uh, you know, all of a sudden, that's clearly not the case. I think that just devastated him, and it took him a long time to try to recover, and he just can't now. Mm. I mean, that's my point of view, and uh, obviously. But but if he wins, he could get a Ferrari. He's the only team that can give him that, and it's Ferrari and blah blah blah. But he can't win. That's what I'm saying. I, I, he doesn't want to go. He doesn't want to go to another team. I'm saying that that devastated him to the point that he can't be fast anymore. That made something switch in his brain, and he just can't do it. That's what I'm saying. It, yeah. He doesn't want to leave Ferrari. He doesn't want to leave at all. I think in the offseason, they gave uh, Alonso and, and Massa like Fiat 500s or something. And they're like, oh, Massa, you can have a Fiat. That's part of our corporate profile. Isn't that adorable? A, it's got a racing stripe on it, though, so it'll be great. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, that, I guess, is kind of a lot, uh, a long-winded uh, sort of silly season talk. But yeah. there's plenty to Fairly figure out too. In, in, the, uh, in, in the coming races, um, you know, just – what all is going on? I mean, they made the mention. Quick, in the... quick moment for you, too. I do want to give an honest to goodness, honorable mention to PM, Pastor Maldonado. Yep. Brilliant qualifying lap. It, it came up again in the racing progress, uh, in the racing pro, uh, broadcast, my goodness, on speed. Uh, that, hey, it is a lot faster to get a fast driver to come. This, Nicholas Todd was asked this. And he said, hey, it's a lot fa- easier to get a fast driver to calm down than it is to get a calm driver to go fast. And, I mean, Pastor put in a brilliant uh, qualifying lap and clean start, held his own, was still, you know, defending his line pretty well. He was fourth for a good chunk of the race. He had eventually fallen to sixth after the first round of pit stops. But he was still in there in the lead, keeping up, and then hydraulic failure and right. that's what that's what ruined his race and that happened during the yellow flag actually that he had to pull in i'm pretty sure so i just wanted to give credit where credit's due he was he did really well this race yeah there were definitely jokes that were starting to write themselves when it was hamilton and, and maldonado on the front row together right when you're like oh that's not gonna go well so vettel's gonna win you know but um and ended up that they both retired for various reasons but yeah not from each other so fair enough yeah, yeah. 
Pastor doing his thing. And then for a while, and then Senna was still running, and I was giving you crap. I was like, oh, let's see, Senna is outperforming. That's what matters. <laughs> and then, of course, Senna's car had a failure as well. So uh, it was just kind of, a, kind of a weekend to write off for Williams at the end of it. But uh, At least none of their cars caught fire. Well, that we know of. Um, True. But, uh, yeah, so we have bonus points for, uh, for Pastor. I mean, not actually points, but in, in our minds uh, for <laughs> doing a, uh, a solid weekend. And uh, Hamilton, man, going from, from dominating qualifying and not dominating the race, but having a good handle on the race. Well, based on this logic, he should win in Japan. Being, yeah, uh, being the uh, first man out of everything so to actually come dead last in the race. is uh, That's got to be tough for predictions, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Cute. Of course, it is time for predictions, and because we had a week off last week, a show we missed a show. Yeah, uh, we didn't have our usual chance to discuss the old predictions and nope. set new ones. True, which left us in the precarious position of having to go off sort of in, on our own to the predictions app on the Facebook page and input our predictions and sort of to, to play the play the game like all of our fans do. So. After uh, after qualifying it happened, yes. you actually texted me and said, oh, these are my predictions. I haven't watched anything yet. And in, in an unprecedented move, I took to Facebook, took to the fans. <laughs> and I don't know if you've even seen this yet on our Facebook page. I did. I did. But I glanced at it. Um, there, I, I set up a, a, a question, I guess they're called, a little poll, where I said, okay, here's the deal. Here's what Robin said. What do you think we should do as fans? And the options were... First of all, kilt. Don't get me started. But... <laughs> Okay, Continue. so the, the options were, okay, give him, first, give him the benefit of the doubt, put his prediction as Hamilton-Hamilton, right. which now, in, uh, after the fact of the race, is a very different thing than especially if he'd gone on. Cause, so this is after I knew Hamilton had gotten pole and you know had the very likely chance of winning. Um, so four votes for that. Um, the other option was rules of rules. He missed predictions, max points. 18 votes for that one. Yeah, which is, is cute because... Everyone that voted thought that this was a democracy. The problem was Well, or the other option was somewhere in between half of max points, yeah. which is like, we're not trying to totally screw up your whole your, your, your streak because you've been doing really well. No, um, here's the thing. But there I, should be some, you know, I don't, not that I think you're lying to me, but that, you know, we have, we have fans that will lose out for one reason or not and be able, you know, not be able to make a prediction. And they will. They, they're not hosts, though, so they, they that you is, know. That is the crux of it. If, if a fan decides that, you know what, this is, this is BS, that I got to miss out on predictions, I fully invite and encourage them to start their own podcast and then start their own predictions game and then have that predictions game be built into a Facebook page by another fan. Fully support that. Wow. <laughs> it's, going, it's like that. Huh? It is like that. No, I mean, the fact of the matter is, yeah, unique circumstances and everything else, and it is a shame that I didn't uh, get a chance to do the Facebook thing, I admit. However, um, my predictions, I will state, not ask, are going to stand. <laughs> and so... Um, and as it turns out, I don't think anyone's actually going to be ups- that upset about it because my predictions weren't that great at the end of the day. Well, as it happens, yeah, um, half of max points was basically – is exactly what you got. So giving you the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> exactly. and, and the two options end up being the same. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's, we do every once in a while like to give the illusion that this is a democracy. However, we are kind of the benevolent dictator. And ultimately, <laughs> you are the man with the spreadsheet. This uh, is true. And, and you know, I, I could pry that from your cold, dead hands, but I don't think we need to go there. So <laughs> I'm, I'm not Charlton, Charlton Heston here. You don't have – this is not the NRA. I, you don't have to pry it from my gold, cold, dead hands. However, as the one that tends to fill out this spreadsheet, and as the spreadsheet is technically the official arbiter of our scores, it, it will state that I made my prediction completely okay. Right. So I think that's what um, – Neil, Neil, the prediction stud has put in for you as well. Yes, he puts you in as Hamilton, Hamilton, and uh, the results man, are the results are kind of interesting. So first, you want to talk about uh, Italy though, and, and run that down, or just bring us of up right course. Up well, stuff? all right. So first of all, we have our lovely stat model, which has been named Damien, who says quite simply, if you won the race last time, you are predicting that it's going to win the race again, and if you were on pole last time, you're going to be on pole again. Damien, uh, because of that went Hamilton Hamilton and uh and I did the same I could not argue with the statistical model this time you on the other hand um went very bold and said ah no 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 
Alonso is going to capitalize from his strong performance in Monza, and he's going to go on to win it. He's going to be on pole and win the race in Singapore. That did not happen. Uh, Alonso ended up qualifying fifth and finishing third. Lewis Hamilton was indeed on pole, but then finished the race dead last after gearbox shenanigans. Right, Ooh. so that skips over Italy, just to be clear, and that is up through Singapore. Sorry, yes. With that, which is fine. Yes. Whatever. If, it is if, whatever. If you care, you can look on the predictions page. You can actually go race by race and see how everyone did on every individual race. So, yeah, there were a few people. There were three people that picked Hamilton Vettel for zero points, and well done to those guys. Um, a bunch of Vettel Vettels. Oh, wow. A couple of Hamilton Alonso uh, predictors. Button Button was a four-point uh, uh, result this time. Um, so I actually ended up, for this race, coming in 19th spot with six points. There were there were 18 other people that actually picked better than I did. Wow. But a lot of people liked Hamilton for the for the, well, for the for the win, including you and including our statistical model, which was a 23-point guess this time. Wow. So where does that put us? I have worked my way into the top 10. I'm, wow, I'm congratulations. I'm in 10th spot on, uh, on, on the overall uh, Facebook rankings. Uh, and if our numbers line up, I have 140 points. You have 141. Correct. I'm just one point ahead of you now. Very correct. Um, and very we are, close And we are both very well ahead of Damien, the statistical model, who just in 2012... Just, just not, not working out. For ...just <laughs> cannot hang. And Which goes to show, you know, our, we, were, we were adamant that... We can do better than a stupid, simple, uh, heuristic model. And my buddy that helped, you know, convince me to do this in the first place is like, no, you can't. And uh, when we had the 2011 Vettel Vettel season, it was like, oh, dear. Right. But this is starting to come our way, which is lovely. Yes. So now you and I are only a point spread apart. Yes. Um, and, and, you know, and, and up there with the fans. I mean, it would be a shame if the hosts of the show were in, like, you know, 89th place, place or something and that we were terrible. <laughs> but we've we've actually dodged a lot of bullets. Uh, True. In, in terms of, you know, this this time notwithstanding with Hamilton's failure, but with, with button failures, with Alonzo crashing out, with Hamilton crashing out, like, we've just somehow, you know, meandered around those. And uh, and Damien, you know, has no such ability. So, anyway, um, I'm I'm looking forward to this. So now, this you and I, uh, I can either continue to just just pay, predict the same thing as you every race now, and I'll and I'll stay with that one point advantage, <laughs> or I can try to go bold and uh, and you know play the game one way or another. Well, but yes. it actually made me very happy then this time when Hamilton retired um, during the race because I had the prediction of Alonso, and that actually you know as much as I like Hamilton as a as a driver and as a fan of his, um, I. Uh, it did make me happy for the prediction angle alone. Yes. Well, it is no longer uh, time for platitudes. It is time to put your money where your mouth is, sir. We have Japan coming up. It's a wonderful circuit. And I, for one, think that McLaren will yet again be strong. And I am going to do something I think is bold. Because I tend, even when McLaren, even though I like Button, and even though Button is my favorite of the two McLaren drivers, I think he's got a lot of great talents. I almost always go Hamilton because um, Hamilton just has that raw speed. But I know Button's wife is half Japanese, and I know Button loves the Japanese circuit, and I just I I think that Button is going to be the one to break the good performance, bad performance cycle that McLaren's been going through. So I think Jensen Button is going to win the race. So I'm going to just write that down right now. And... I'm from pole? <sighs> yes. All yes. right. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Darn you, yes. All right. So Damien thinks that Hamilton will be on pole yep. and that Vettel will win the race. And Silly. I think he's close, but he's backwards. I think Ooh. it will be the other way around. I think Sebastian Vettel Ooh. will make it happen for pole position. But over the course of what I think is actually going to be with long-term forecasts of being what they are, are saying that it's likely going to be a wet race. It's very rainy in, in uh, Japan right now. And, uh, it's a week may away, though, isn't it? may still be. Uh, yeah, it's a week away. But, you know, who knows? Um, so anyway, who knows what will happen, but I think Hamilton will come out on top of that. So I am, I am flipping what Damien thinks, and I was yes. like, Vettel pole, Hamilton for the win. And you and I are going different strategies, so someone will benefit over the other, and I guess we could end up probably tying some way. But either way, um, should be good. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Well, um, we did have some comments um, on our funwithcars.net page um, that I wanted to give quick shouts out to. Um, but now it's not right in front of me anymore. What did I do? Oh, Jim, I totally screwed this up. 
you're still going to .netman.com is where it's at. Uh, well, you should talk about that. Yeah, so first of all, we've, uh, with very many thanks to Don Levine, um, who probably doesn't listen to the show, but he was the guy that had fun with cars.com, and we were able to uh, convince him that for the greater good, that, that needed to be our domain, and we've been able to make that happen. So um, rather than uh, being stuck with in the, the third world of .net domain names, uh, <laughs> the main site for everything that we do is now funwithcars.com, which is makes me happy that it's uh, the proper .com. And uh, we've we've been able to switch that over. So the other stuff still works. F1show.com actually still works um, for an indeterminate amount of time into the future. Uh, that question's been asked, and we actually have no idea. We're sort of dealing with uh, you know lawyery people and all kinds of timelines that we have no control over whatsoever. But as it stands right now, we're in this kind of limbo. Um, and F1show.com right. still works for a while. So I, once we have a, of an official date when we're going to put this thing away, uh, we'll, we'll just kind of keep going with both and make it work. But uh, we will be transitioning more and more of the site over to Fun With Cars content, especially now that we've got the .com and that's all kind of been decided. Right. And I think we're going to go ahead and continue to call our show the Grand Prix Show when you can remember to say that at the very beginning of the show <laughs> and not yes. revert to old habits. I mean, you know, we had 119 episodes the old way, so I can understand the or 118 episodes the old right, way. So right. I can understand the, the confusion. But, you know, when, when we remember, it will still be the Grand Prix show as part of the funwithcars.com site. Yes. And so uh, thank you to Mika, who said that they like the name the Grand Prix show and uh, wanted us to talk about a couple of things, uh, which we did. Uh, Neil Popham, he took the time to uh, comment right on the Fun With Cars page. And he wanted to talk, he wanted us to talk about the Vettel penalty, which we did. And uh, also to James, um, who thought that uh, for Italy that uh, Felipe Massa had a really good run, and he did. And also, finally, thanks to Tim Fox, who uh, uh, wanted to say a couple things and then said them. Anyway, great comments. I'm, I'm really nice, Steve. I think we're getting awfully close to some Singapore rice noodle here. It is uh, with a dinner side of, time. With a side of pizza, I think we have as a little nod to Monza. Very if true. If we can find a place that has a pizza and Singapore noodles. Yeah, you said you said you found an Indian pizza place. Yeah, there's an Indian pizza place, which if, if Monza and India were only back-to-back, we could kind of make that work. Yeah. But Singapore... Doesn't it sound, though, I mean, if you went to a place that served both... No, they're not going to be good. Right. You're, both you're are going to be bad. You're not going to get good pizza, <laughs> you and you're not going to get good Singapore noodles. Right. So, right. We'll, we'll figure that out then, but... Uh, yeah, sounds good. Uh, so we will be back in uh, very, very shortly. I think it's just next week, isn't it? Yeah. No, it's not. It's not. It's two weeks from now? It's, yeah, it's the 7th, man. We well, got, how we... in the world can you tell me it's going to rain in Japan in two weeks? I don't know. Maybe it will, but maybe not when we're there. <laughs> I mean, where did that even come from? That came from the F1 weather guru, this this blog that's all well, about... Well, isn't he brilliant? It's a she. So aren't you oh. brilliant? <laughs> <laughs> My prediction for the weather no, in October that, 2014 is no. going to be sunny at 74 degrees. Okay, wind, whatever. Well, if, it's the rainy season, so whatever. We'll see. But, uh, yeah, it is uh, Sunday the 7th, uh, Japan, and then it's just like, a week I'm, after I'm going to predict Korea. that it's going to rain in Seattle. I, okay. Well, statistics are in my favor. Yes, yeah, fine. Well, it's going to rain in Japan. So there you go. Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I didn't know that was a hot button for you. Long-term forecast avoider over here. <laughs> Yikes. And it, but so it's Japan and, and Korea are back-to-backs in, in a week, but we have a week off in between. So we will – that was the other way, long way of getting around to saying <laughs> in two weeks' time, there will be another Grand Prix show. Yes. Until then, have a good time. I am Jim Lau. And I'm Robin Warner. Keep your feet dry. It's going to rain. <laughs> For sure. Statistically speaking. 